book four chapters one through six of of the love of god by saint francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book four the decay and ruin of charity chapter one we may lose the love of god so long as we are in this life i am not here addressing those rare and exceptional souls whom god so specially sustains in his love that they are in no danger of falling away but rather ordinary mortal men to whom the holy spirit speaks in words of warning let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall one corinthians chapter ten verse twelve hold fast that which thou hast revelation chapter three verse eleven give diligence to make your calling and election sure two peter chapter one verse ten and he puts into their mouths such prayers as cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy holy spirit from me psalm fifty one verse eleven lead us not into temptation in order that they may work out their own salvation with fear and trembling knowing that they are not more unchangeably safe against losing god's love than were the fallen angels or judas who having received lost it and themselves or than solomon of whom having once forsaken it we know not whether he be saved or lost or than adam eve david or peter who being sons of salvation yet fell away for a time from that love without which there is no salvation alas who shall presume to say that he will hold fast through the voyage of life when so many worthier than he have come to shipwreck perhaps you will reply by asking how it is possible for any soul that possesses the love of god to lose it since where love is surely there sin will be resisted love is strong as death hard as hell how then can the powers of death or hell which are sin conquer love which is strong as they and more powerful in right and divine might how can a reasonable soul which has once tasted the boundless sweetness of divine love voluntarily quaff the bitter waters of sin even a babe brought up on milk and honey will turn with disgust and tears from wormwood or chamomile how then can the soul which has experienced the goodness of the creator turn from it towards the misery of creature things the very heavens are astonished and horribly afraid and the ambassadors of peace weep bitterly at the sight of this strange weakness of human nature which forsakes what is so precious for that which is worthless but did you ever watch a certain little mystery in common things which to many is incomprehensible i mean how when a full cask is opened the wine will not flow until some air is let in from above 
which is not the case with a cask not perfectly full out of which the wine flows directly that it is opened now verily in this mortal life although our souls may be well filled with heavenly love they are never so full but that it may escape through temptation but in heaven where the beauty and goodness of god will wholly engross and absorb the will so that it is utterly full nothing will ever be able to cause one single drop of its divine contents to flow out nor were it possible to let in the smallest draught that is to surprise that will for it is fixed in the will of god thus wine which is separated from its lees may be warranted not to ferment but so long as it is on the lees it is liable thereto and while we are in this life we are subject to the hindrance of many evil tempers and faults and consequently liable to be drawn away from our highest love but in heaven where we shall come to the feast described by the prophet isaiah whereof the wines on the lees are well refined we shall no longer be liable to change but inseparably united to our sovereign good here amid these earthly shadows we fear to mistake some unreality for the bridegroom but when we find him in heaven resting in his noontide glory there will be no more mistake his light will be too bright and we too close to his love ever to wonder more we shall be like coral which while in its native ocean is as a pliable plant but once taken out it becomes as stone and its pale tints grow rosy red so we in this our native earth are beset with changes and chances god's love sustaining us earthly love tempting us but once go forth from this state and the pale tint of fearful hope will change to the rosy brightness of unchangeable joy we can never falter more but shall be forever fixed in the strength of eternal love it is impossible to see god and not love him but here below where we only see him by faith as through a glass darkly many other objects intrude and like the little foxes spoil our vines in a word possessing love our free will is clothed with the wedding garment which it may always retain if it persevere in well-doing or which it may lay aside through sin chapter two how the soul's love grows cold sometimes our vital energies forsake certain members of the body which consequently become powerless and torpid yet so long as the heart fails not life will endure even so love may be so spent and exhausted in the heart as scarce to give any token and yet reign supreme in the higher being this is chiefly when a multitude of venial sins smother the fire of love although it is not actually extinguished 
for just as the diamond hinders the magnet from attracting iron but the attraction is renewed directly you remove the diamond so venial sin while it does not altogether destroy love yet paralyzes it and renders it barren and powerless of a truth venial sin does not altogether upset the main resolution of charity to love god above all things but it draws us dangerously from the creator to the creature and leads us to linger too much about earthly things although we do not altogether forsake those which are heavenly it hinders without wholly turning aside and creature love will never be destroyed by it god rebuked the bishop of ephesus for having left his first love revelation chapter two verse four it is not said that he was loveless but only that his love was no longer what it had been ready fervent effectual just as we say of any one that he is not what he once was from cheerful vigorous and friendly he has become dull lazy and cross we do not question that materially he is the same but his ways and doings are changed and our lord has said that in the latter days the love of many shall wax cold matthew chapter twenty four verse twelve that is it shall not be bold and daring because the heart is fearful and trembling truly when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin james chapter one verse fifteen but sin does not always bring forth death only when as the apostle says it is finished which actually defines the difference between venial and mortal sin nevertheless venial sin is sin and consequently opposed to love in that it is contrary to the actions and progress and even to the intention of love which is that all our acts should be referred to god whereas venial sin refers them elsewhere forgetting god and his will when a tree has been battered by the storm we say there is nothing left meaning that no fruit is left though the tree be there and so when love is shattered by venial sin it suffers inasmuch as it is deprived of works which are its fruits cleaving to sin led to holding the truth in unrighteousness among the heathen so that when they knew god they glorified him not as god romans chapter one verses eighteen through twenty one their natural light was not extinguished but became unfruitful so venial sin does not extirpate love but binds it hand and foot like a slave such sins bind us over much to the enjoyment of the creature and deprive us of that familiarity with god which real love promotes and so we lose that inward help which is as the vital force of the soul and a spiritual paralysis ensues which if not cured will end in death 
for charity is a living principle which cannot be long inactive and live the fathers have likened it to rachel crying out give me children or else i die genesis chapter thirty verse one we are seldom without temptation in this life and those who are slothful and addicted to self-pleasing let fall their arms and do not keep watch over charity so that they are easily surprised and fall into mortal sin for which venial sins pave the way therein like to him of old who carrying a calf day by day went on until he was amazed to find that the creature had become an ox while he perceived not its growth so he who yields to his evil passions in trifles is led on the irritable man becomes furious the exaggerator a liar and as we say of one who is very weak that there is no life in him because it is so frail in like manner we may say of those slothful souls which are given up to earthly things that they have no love since what little they have seems about to melt away chapter three how we forsake divine for earthly love the process by which we forsake god for his creature is this we do not love god unremittingly all the rather that in this mortal life charity is a matter of habit which as philosophers say we use at pleasure and never against our will so when we do not exercise that habit when we let ourselves be distracted from the practice of divine love or are slothful or negligent therein then we are liable to the assaults of evil and are easily surprised by temptation and albeit the habit of charity abide in us and fulfil its office in prompting us to reject evil suggestions yet it will only urge us to resistance in proportion as we second it as is the way with most habits so that being altogether free and the unlawful object having a strong hold upon the heart we cling to it by an excessive complacence which grows until it is very hard to shake off and is like those thorns of which our lord spoke which choke the good seed of grace and heavenly love it was thus with our first mother eve whose fall began by trifling with the serpent being amused by his promises of enlightenment and by gazing on the forbidden fruit so that complacence grows into amusement and that in its turn feeding complacence she became so entangled that she fell into grievous sin and led adam into the same you have watched a pigeon circling in the air displaying the beauty of its plumage and the hawk taking advantage of its vanity to swoop upon it which would not happen if the pigeon flew straight on even so if we did not trifle with the vanity of earthly pleasure but inspired by charity were content to fly straight on where it directs 
we should never be the victims of evil suggestions or temptations but forasmuch as seduced by self-conceit we are absorbed by self and by creature love we are taken by surprise and captured by the ever watchful enemy god does not shield us from all temptation in order that our love may be strengthened by resistance and so fighting may be victorious and triumphant but we are apt to receive temptation complacently because our natural inclination to what is good lays us open to the snares of whatever has a fair appearance and temptation is very prone to come disguised with some such bait it may be what the world calls honor tempting us with the pride of life or some sensual attraction leading to the lust of the flesh or some worldly gain inducing the lust of the eyes but if our faith which is able to distinguish between real and unreal good was kept on the alert it would be a safe sentinel to charity and would give speedy notice when evil comes under the semblance of good so that charity might repulse it vigorously but because our faith is apt to slumber or at least to grow inattentive we are surprised by temptation which seduces our senses and they kindle the lower being to rebellion and then too often the superior being yields and falling into sin loses charity this was the course of absalom's rebellion against his father david putting forward what seemed rightful propositions until he had deluded the israelites thoroughly and they were then easily led on to rebellion until david was constrained to leave jerusalem weeping leaving no one of weight behind save zadok and abiathar the priests now zadok was a seer or prophet just so self-love takes advantage of our inattentive or slumbering faith and allures us with fair seeming but empty hopes seduces our senses and imagination and so forces our free will that at length we are led on to active rebellion against the holy love of god which then like david goes forth with all its followers that is with the gifts of the holy spirit the inseparable companions of love and not of weight remains in the jerusalem of the soul save zadok the seer that is to say the gifts of faith which is able to show us things eternal and abiathar that is the gift of hope both dejected and downcast yet upholding the ark of the covenant in us that is the quality and title of christian acquired in baptism what a grievous sight to the angels of peace when they see the holy spirit and his love go forth from our sin-stricken souls verily i believe that could they weep they would shed many tears and join with the lamentation of jeremiah when sitting on the threshold of the deserted temple he gazed upon the ruins of the holy city 
how doth the city sit solitary that was full of people from the daughter of zion all her beauty is departed chapter four divine love may be lost in a moment that love of god which moves us to indifference to self makes us citizens of the heavenly jerusalem that love of self which renders us indifferent to god makes us slaves of babylon now the steps by which we arrive at this neglect of god are very gradual but no sooner is it reached than in one moment holy charity leaves us or more accurately speaking it dies out yes verily for in such neglect it is that mortal sin consists and one mortal sin drives out charity from the soul because it breaks the bond of union between the soul and god which is obedience and submission to his will and just as the human heart cannot be divided and live so charity which is the heart of the soul and the soul of the heart cannot ever be wounded and not killed just as it is said that the pearl being formed of heavenly dew is destroyed if the tiniest drop of sea-water penetrates its shell man's life is extinguished not gradually but at once when any injury affects a vital part of the body and thus when the heart is so vitally injured by passion that charity ceases to reign therein it departs since so noble is its nature that it cannot cease to reign without ceasing to exist those habits which we form in mere human matters are not overthrown by a single contradictory act no one would say that one fit of intemperance made an intemperate man or that a painter was no artist because some one work was a failure all such habits are formed by continuity of action and are lost by the like but charity which is spread in our hearts in one moment by the holy ghost when we possess the requisite qualification is taken away as instantaneously when turning from that obedience of will which we owe to god we consent to the rebellion and disloyalty which tempts us it is true that charity goes on increasing and being perfected according as by good works and duly received sacraments we make room for it yet it does not in like manner gradually dwindle for we cannot lose any without losing all and herein it reminds me of that famous ivory statue of minerva wrought in athens by phidias on the buckles of which amid the battles of giants and amazons the sculptor introduced his own likeness so skilfully that aristotle tells us it was impossible to deface that ever so little without totally destroying the whole statue even so although god's holy spirit leads the soul on to ever higher degrees of that love which he has planted in it yet inasmuch as the resolution to put god's will before all else is the essential of holy love 
that which creates the very likeness of the divine sculptor if it be touched charity falls at once shattered this preference of god above all else is the darling child of love and if the egyptian hagar could not bear to see her child perish but went a good way off who can wonder if charity divine cannot bear to see the death of her child that is a firm resolution never to offend god so that as man's free will consents deliberately to sin thereby slaying this holy resolve charity dies too crying out with hagar let me not see the death of the child there is a precious stone called Praseus, which grows dim in the presence of any poison and in likewise the soul loses its brightness and beauty at the approach of any of those sins whereof it is written the soul that sinneth it shall die ezekiel chapter eighteen verse four chapter five the only cause of failure and slackness in charity lies in man's will just as it were a bold impiety to attribute those fruits of divine love which the holy spirit works in us to the innate powers of our own will so were it no less impious to attribute our graceless failure in love to any shortcomings of god's goodness or help o israel thou hast destroyed thyself hosea chapter thirteen verse nine our lord came to send the fire of divine love upon earth he prepared a light to lighten all men he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come unto the knowledge of the truth one timothy chapter two verse four he came into the world that we might receive the adoption of sons and the wise man expressly bids us say not thou it is through the lord that i fell away ecclesiasticus chapter fifteen verse eleven so the council of trent teaches that divine grace is never wanting to those who do their best seeking god's help that god never forsakes those whom he has justified unless they forsake him so that unless they reject grace they are certain of glory in st john's words christ is the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world john chapter one verse nine it fell out one summer's day that a number of travellers weary with their journey fell asleep beneath the shadow of a tree and while they slept the sun rising higher fell in all the power of the noon upon their eyelids and roused them then certain of the travellers rising up went forward and accomplished their journey but others there were who merely turned their backs to the sun and pulled their hats over their eyes sleeping on till being overtaken by night they wandered helpless the prey of forest wolves now tell me did not those who arrived happily at the end of their journey owe their welfare to the sun 
or to speak as christians to the son's creator surely for they had not waked save through its light and warmth truly they did not resist that light when it stole into their eyes or that warmth which roused them from sleep on the other hand those wanderers in the wood had they any right to cry out that it was the sun's fault that they too were not safe at their journey's end who but would answer that the sun had done alike for all the same light and warmth touched them all but these last refused to yield to the sun's influence while their comrades obeyed its summons well now all men are as travellers in this life and for the most part we voluntarily fall into the sleep of sin then god the true son of righteousness sheds the bright rays of his blessings and inspirations upon us and why do they not attract us more and more frequently surely they who are awakened and follow that leading have every reason for thankfulness but not for vainglory they may rejoice indeed because they possess so great a gift but they may not glory therein because it is the free gift of god who claims the glory while he gives them the enjoyment thereof but as to those who sleep on in the sleep of sin well indeed may they weep and lament but they have no right to complain save of themselves for having despised and rejected light and resisted inspiration so that whatever evil or destruction comes upon them they have wrought it themselves it is recorded that when the japanese complained to their apostle saint francis xavier that god while doing so much for other nations had forgotten their ancestors not having revealed himself to them the saint replied that god's natural law was so firmly implanted in every heart that if their ancestors had but heeded it they would have been enlightened but that neglecting it was at their own peril which reply was altogether in the same spirit as that of st paul when he says of the gentiles that they were without excuse because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god romans chapter one verses twenty and twenty one woe indeed to those who will not acknowledge that their misfortune arises from their own fault chapter six whatever love we bear to god is his gift man's love of god derives its origin increase and perfection from god's eternal love to man this is the universal teaching of the church which jealously sets before us that our salvation and all means thereto come of the sole mercy of the redeemer so that all honor and glory are due to him alone in heaven or earth what hast thou that thou didst not receive st paul asks speaking of the gifts of wisdom eloquence and the like 
now if thou didst receive it why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it one corinthians chapter four verse seven truly we have received all things of god and still more than all else the supernatural gifts of holy love and if we have received them why should we take any self-glorification from them surely if any one were to boast because he had made some advance in the love of god we should remind him that he would have grovelled in sin without energy or strength to come forth had not god in his mercy helped him saying open thy mouth wide and i shall fill it pouring in his gracious inspirations and strengthening his feeble servant till he should attain to the living power of love how then frail man darest thou boast thyself thou didst consent thy free will followed the heavenly leading but what more is this than receiving divine grace without resistance and the very power to receive the very consent of which ye boast were both god's gift had god not prepared thee thou hadst not appreciated his goodness nor consented to his love thou hadst not had one good thought he gave life and action to thine heart and unless his generosity had kindled and stimulated thy free will it had profited thee nothing verily in consenting thou didst cooperate with his grace but know that that cooperation was conceived of grace as well as of thy free will and that but for grace preparing and filling thy heart thou hadst had neither power nor will so to cooperate were it not monstrous o wretched man for thee to claim any glory in thy own conversion because thou hast not rejected inspiration it is as though a robber or a despot boasted that he had given life to those from whom he refrained to take it and to imagine that thou hast given effect and life to god's inspirations because thou hast not positively resisted them is no less monstrous and impious we may hinder inspiration but we cannot get it for ourselves it derives all its power and virtue from god's goodness which is its source not from man's will which is its object that princess of whom i spoke had she boasted of the virtue of the cordial which restored her as her own we should have rebuked her she might truly have refused to swallow the remedy but she contributed nothing to the efficacy of what was offered her she did but consent to receive it nor would she have done even that unless the king had invited her to do so nor would she have swallowed it unless he had poured it into her mouth were it not then the height of ingratitude to assume to herself any credit for that which she owed solely to her bridegroom the little fish called remora has the faculty of stopping a ship at full sail but it has no power to set it in motion it can hinder movement 
but cannot impart it our free will can hinder or stop the course of inspiration and when the favouring breeze of grace fills our sails we can refuse our consent but when our ship rides the waves prosperously it is not that we raise the favouring breeze or give the impulse but merely that we receive heaven's prospering gale consent to its action and let ourselves advance without resistance it is god's inspiration which brings to bear that happy influence upon our free will by which it both perceives the beauty of holiness and is kindled encouraged and stimulated so as to turn with pleasure to that which is good heaven makes ready the sweet spring dew and the mother of pearl open their shells and receiving its drops they become pearls but those shells which remain closed do not prevent the dewdrops from falling on them but only in them heaven sending its precious dews to both alike wherefore then hast one produced its pearl and not the other heaven was as generous to the barren shell but it refused heaven's gift remaining closed and the shell which bore the pearl has not save what it received even its power to open and receive that sweet dew was given by the soft warm sun-rays which attracted it to the surface if then we possess any love for god to him be all the glory and honour who has kindled it in us for without him it had not been ours be the profit and the duty even so does he order things he gives us the fruit of his gifts and takes the glory and praise to himself and verily since we are not save by his grace it beseems us to be not save for his glory end of book four chapter six